It's all right. Welcome to Mountain Man Nutrition. Uh, this is Jeffrey Hipsman coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have an awesome guest and friend on today, Michelle Barton, who is a entrepreneur, professional nutritional therapist practitioner, and she's going to share a lot with us about foundations um, and quality of food. Um, hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Hi, doing great. Awesome. Well, welcome to uh, Mountain Man Nutrition. Thanks for being on uh, the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> awesome. So, um, Michelle, can you give us a little background about yourself? Um, everybody really likes to hear, um, you know, sure. your coming along story. Like, how did you become a nutritional therapist? Were you this, uh, you know, 13-year-old girl reading anatomy and physiology yeah. books while everybody else was reading uh Harry Potter, or did you go on a healing journey? Yeah, no, I was a Spanish and math major, so nutrition wasn't on my set of uh, criteria to follow, but um, I ended up having two boys, and my oldest was chronically ill pretty much right after his first birthday and started getting croup every three weeks, constantly sick all the time, had horrible eczema, um, allergies and asthma type symptoms which you see that a lot with a lot of kids now and um high energy kind of uh what i would consider adhd if we would have continued to eat the standard american diet but um yeah it was my gut told me when i took him into the doctors and they said oh your your um answer is going to be uh you know, get on, get him on an inhaler, have him on allergy medications. Um, he has intermittent asthma and you're just going to have to deal with this for life. My mother gut said, no, there's got to be some other alternatives. So I started looking into um, how we lived and the food that we were eating. And, and then of course that just continued to snowball because we started to get really good results with making change dietary changes. And then um, that actually led me into a chiropractor's office and I had carpal tunnel and I was looking at having to have surgery. And my friend said, you should go see a chiropractor. So I did. And, and, um, my brother-in-law is orthopedic surgeon. So I've, I've grown up in the medical end of things. My mom's been a medical coder for 40 years, but, um, yeah. And then I ended up getting great results with adjustments and looking more at, um, leading a more natural lifestyle and that just snowballed and, I ended up going back to work in a chiropractic office. So I've been in the chiropractic community for about 10 years and learned a lot of on-the-job training with nutrition. And so I finally bit the bullet. And, and I, I had researched NTA for five years. We had a speaker that came to one of our nights that did, she was a GAP specialist um, and had graduated from NTA as well. And so I uh, interviewed her on the side and yeah, it took me five years to finally decide I'm going to go to NTA. So, you're, you're and it was a quick decision great maker. decision. Yeah, yeah, great quick, decision. Quick decision, quick so. decision. So, hey, let me ask you, what what was the main, and everybody's going to be different, but what was the main dietary you, uh, uh, thing that you changed for your son on his uh, allergies and asthma? What was the main component? Well, I think, you know, Making the changes that are necessary, it's it's a lot to overhaul, and it can be extremely um, daunting and overwhelming for people. And it's so the first thing that we did was we switched to gluten free and started seeing a change on that. 
And then, um, you know, at that time we were still eating a lot of processed food because that I see that a lot in the community with the gluten-free people is that they're still eating processed food and they think that it's healthy because it's gluten-free. Yeah. Well, and that's one so, of the main things that yeah. I just drives me nuts about the gluten-free deal. It's, it's still yep. 13 other highly processed yes. whatever, you know, yep. um, in that bread. You know, it's still yes. super refined food. Very. And if you look at the statistics, um, and I, granted, we don't have, we don't suffer from celiac disease in my household. But if you look at the statistics of um, people with celiac disease, which they can't have any gluten, um, it's if you become celiac, you are almost guaranteed to become diabetic. And so, or vice versa. So those two things go hand in hand. Um, they're finally realizing that. And if you look at the typical gluten-free person, they just think that if they switch all their processed food to gluten-free, they'll be fine. But what happens is they use a lot of sugar in yeah. the ingredients. And then, of course, you're going to get the blood sugar regulations and the, you know, pre-diabetics or pre-diabetes and that kind of stuff, which you know too. So yeah, it's a it's a yeah. label it's a label reading issue. I mean, when you really pick it up is. every gluten free item and you think that's going to solve your problems, and you just read right. uh, the carbohydrates, um, twenty four things of grams of carbs per one slice yep. of bread and thirty seven hundred ingredients, uh, right. it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yep. And and you'll see like rice flour is a very common ingredient for gluten-free and rice has a very high glycemic index um a lot of people will and then we switched we took dairy out um unfortunately i'd switched to soy milk because yeah. i wasn't you know there's so much misinformation out there and you think that you're doing the healthy thing yeah. um which soy milk is so bad especially for boys right <laughs> so, yeah um so we uh and then we switched to rice milk, which is higher sugar, higher carbohydrates. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's one thing after another. And I think that people um, have good success switching their diets, their nutrition over if they just take it a little, you know, a few steps at a time and then master the next step. And it just kind of, if you're, if, if you find good results with it, it encourages you to continue starting to learn more and dig into what, what, you know, you should be doing. Absolutely. So. And that was the biggest thing with me is even though I've had ankle surgery uh, now mm -hmm. recently, uh, my, the reason I dove into this uh, information was because I had chronic inflammation uh, yep. uh, all the time coming out of my calf. Like it was huge, like um, bulging thing of pain. Uh, and then I would go to the uh, acupuncturist and, and he would get it down. And then two months later it would be back and I could barely walk yeah, and yeah. two months later and I solved that issue by removing uh, all grains, you know, yep. in like 12 days, there was no inflammation, no pain, all wow. gone. And it just made me go, well, if I can solve this issue, this issue with the foods that I consume, what other issue can I solve? You right. know? And it yep. just took me right down the rabbit hole to where now it's, you know, uh, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. And I just want to benefit other people by sharing this yeah. information. Yeah. And that's what that's what I love about NTA. I feel like that's it's a community of people that just want to help educate, um, re-educate Americans because we do not learn um, in our schools. We are not being taught 
what true health is. It's, you know, what, if you look at the foods that the government pushes for the typical um, nutrition education, it's the, it's the commodities that are sold on the stock market, yeah. you know, and those are, and it's the grains. It is. And it's, it's detrimental to our financial well being as a country. Right. I mean, of course they're going to push five to 11 uh, servings of grain a day because right. they, they subsidize all these farmers to grow corn and, and um, you know, all these different crops. Oh, so it's, it's, it's brutal. It's a beast. And the same people like I uh, posted on Facebook today uh -huh. um, because uh, uh Actually, my stepdad was on the phone with my mom. My mom's visiting to help take care of the kids because I'm having nice. a surgery. And he's like, yeah. oh, hey, there's this lady nutritionist on TV right now talking about oh. how bad coconut oil is uh, for yeah. people. And a Harvard guy says it's poison. And so I, I Googled it and brought it up. And the first thing she says is, uh, well, coconut oil is a saturated fat. And we all know that butter and saturated fat is yeah. um, terrible for your cholesterol and it leads to heart disease and heart disease. blah, blah, exactly. blah. And I was horrified and I posted it and I was like, this is the same kind of propaganda garbage yep. uh, that, you know, uh, is being lied to, to the American people for the last 40 years. And how do we yep. stop that? Right. And yeah, it's one, you know, it's educating one family at a time. Yeah. Um, and then teaching people to start asking the right questions. You need to look at where you're finding your information, um, who is backing the information that is being supported. Um, because if you follow the trail, you can usually find the trail and it's going to lead to money. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, and then I, you know your um, implications. Yeah, I really, uh, I really, the trend is grassroots, you know, like, uh, yes. It's, for us to get this mainstream and to change this paradigm, it's yep. it's a grassroots movement. Uh, this podcast, that podcast, this blog spot, this uh, nutritional yep. therapist talking to this family, like uh, you know, twenty five thousand individuals um, selling the same story, grassroots style. Yep. And that's, and that's and and you know, and the statistics are are becoming in our favor, I think. You know, the, the organic demand is up. And the, the big corporations know this. You know, you've got these big corporate food corporations like General Mills, which is out of Minnesota. And, you know, they bought up Annie's a couple years ago because they know that that's, Americans are finally starting to get wise on the food that they're feeding their families. And, um, and they want to get a cut of the money. Yeah. So, they're buying up these mom and pop shops. Yep, absolutely. And I, the, uh, I, I don't know the number, but I just heard about how um, how skyrocketing the need for butter, and especially uh -huh. grass-fed butter is uh, now. It's like up, like sales are up like 45% or something ridiculous in the last few years. Yeah, I heard. Uh, I just heard yesterday there's a lawsuit against Kerrygold Butter now. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm hearing that too because they yeah. uh, they're not always 100% grass-fed. So sometimes right, they're we've had no issues else. with their butter, yeah. you know, their cheese and stuff. So it's interesting. I'm, but, I'm wanting to see what yeah. happens with that. Well, and you need to look at who's reporting that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so since we're talking about food and, and, and food quality, let's let's dive mm -hmm. into uh, food quality and how are you advising your clients and how do you eat in your home uh, around sure. food quality? Well, um. I start out by trying to explain the importance of looking at eating organic. And a lot of people 
um, poo-poo trying to buy organic because they think it's going to be very expensive, which to a certain degree it is. Um, so I try to tell people it, it's a process. So you can't, you can't just expect yourself to switch completely over to organic, um, everything organic. And so what I always tell people, the number one thing that you should purchase um, organic is definitely going to be any animal products. And that's because animals are up are higher up on the food chain. And if you look at commercially raised, um, well, beef, for example, if you look at commercially raised beef, um, you know, what are they fed? They're, they're fed grains and they're, they're not, cows weren't naturally supposed to be raised on grain. And, you know, if you look at, if you look at a typical grass-fed cow, it takes at least two years for them to mature enough to go to slaughter. But if you look at the commercially raised grass or a commercially raised cow, they're ready for slaughter within six months. And um, and I highly recommend reading a book. What really changed my philosophy was reading Omnivore's Dilemma, which I think that's on our yeah. reading. Read it. List I'm reading it today. now. Reading it now. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's interesting what you just said right there. Like if, if a cow is eating grass, it's natural food. It takes two years yep. for it to grow. But if a cow is eating corn or gr yep. <laughs> grains, it gets super fat in six months. Uh, right. Same thing for us, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so what happens is that they, um, <laughs> well, they get very sick and the corporations know this because what do they do? They put them on antibiotics. We've got more antibiotics um, fed to our commercially raised livestock than we do prescribe to the American, um, you know, families through the doctors. That's crazy so, because our antibiotics are, are overwhelming now. Yes. Yep. And wow. they have, you know, they have to be on antibiotics because of the conditions that they live in. And, um, and because when, when they're fed the grain, it, it disrupts the gut microbiome in their stomachs and then it changes the saturated fat makeup of that animal as well. So, and you know, like we were talking about, um, inflammation is, um, dictated by prostaglandins and prostaglandins are, um, they're made up from the different omega fatty acids that we eat. And you want to look at a ratio of omega three to sixes. And typically you want, ideally you want a one to one ratio, but our, the American diet, we don't get a lot of omega threes. We get a lot of omega sixes, and so that that um, ratio gets disrupted, and that's where it will lead to chronic inflammation. So, what are the omega sixes? You're looking at your canola oil, your corn, soy, um, vegetable oil, um, all of those types of fats that have been modified, and then of course your commercially raised meat is going to be high in six as well, versus uh, eating beef from uh, grass fed entity, then you're going to have higher omega sixes. And if, you know, and then of course you're looking at eating in the restaurants and what are the fats that they eat, they use in the restaurants, it's going to be high in the omega sixes. And, um, the typical American eat their ratios of three to six is a uh, one to 27 to 50 around that range. That's, that's how off that's crazy. The, the ratio is. Those are crazy numbers, right? Right. Yep. And, and then that, we wonder why heart disease is on an increase in high cholesterol and yeah, that kind of stuff. yeah. Like one, like even if you're at one to fifteen ratio, right. and you're you're really optimal health yep. is one to one. Uh, right. Like I really, I really tell people like stop eating deep fried food in a restaurant. 
stop it yeah. because that canola oil or that soy oil or whatever yeah. they're they're uh, cooking your food in and i'm a chef so i get it uh, oh, i yeah. know what they cook with uh it is toxic it's just it horrible for you and uh these oils are the building blocks of every single one of our cells right and when you're building with toxic foundation you know yes. you're gonna have a toxic body right Absolutely. Your body doesn't know what to do with those fats. Yeah. Well, let's talk yep. a little bit about um, the vitamins that are in the grass-fed cow um, compared to the vitamins that would you would get um, from the conventional cow. Sure. Well, and that's going to be your vitamin A and D. That's huge. And those are, I, I think almost everybody knows vitamin A and D are integral for your immune system. So um, that's, that, and, and it's difficult when you're dealing with uh, the vegans because they don't use any animal products. Um, so they're not going to be getting, they're going to be low on um, vitamin A and D and of course vitamin B as well. But you need, you need that combination of A and D um, in order for, for us to boost the immune system. And that's where you'll get that good deep color butter if it's mm. from grass-fed cows, yeah. like right. the Kerry Gold, which is my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, versus margarine. And so I have to laugh. I talked to my sister's mother-in-law who grew up on a farm, and she remembers when margarine came into play. And it used to come in this plastic bag, and it was a grayish, right. gross color. <laughs> and right it about that. come with a dye packet, <laughs> and they would have to add the dye packet to it and squish it. To give it the yellow color oh, to eat it. Oh, awesome. Isn't that just <laughs> great? Oh, and that, and there you go. There's Crisco. All it's right. a byproduct. So oh. they, you know, the government says, oh, let's sell Crisco. It's a byproduct from from the war. And mm. we got to do something with it. We'll make some money on it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We'll, yeah. We'll package it and make everybody sick. And Yeah. So. I remember my, my when my dad switched over, we used to get the uh, country crock. His oh, kids, yeah. you know, and then the Crisco and um, all these kinds of oils. And my dad still died of heart disease, you know, yep. and for 40 yep. years of eating uh, this kind of stuff. Sure. Horrible. Did he have, because he had a heart attack? Uh, oh, yeah. He had a uh, really bad heart for many, many, many years, you okay. know, and even though he lost a lot of weight, uh, sure. diet and things like that, uh, yep. it's just the heart uh, never improved, never got better. Um, yep. And he continued to, you know, think it was um, these fats that he was putting in his body. Right. And, it, and it, right. you know, he thought it was animal fat or, um, you know, don't eat the bacon grease anymore or things like right. that and switch to country crock and Crisco and yep. vegetable oil and things like that. And, and, you know, not understanding that this is the ultimate problem anyway. Right. There's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Sally Fallon. Yeah, of course. I love her. She's yeah, amazing. love Sally Fallon, and she's got a, a series of talks called The Oiling of America. Uh, yeah, I've and, seen that. I love that one. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, it talks about the history of the American um, Heart Association mm -hmm. and how they got um, integrated into the demonizing of saturated fats. And that's the thing. You know, you talk about that study that was done by Ansel um, Ansel Keys in my home state of Minnesota at the U, and that's the study that demonized saturated fat. And um, you know, and if you look at the animals that they incorporated in the study, it was commercially raised 
meat. It was not grass-fed meat. Right. So, of course, saturated fat from commercially raised animals is going to cause inflammation and lead to heart disease and high cholesterol. Um, you know, that's definitely not disputed, but... It's, it's, um, it wasn't presented that way. It was just across the board, saturated fat is bad for you. Yeah. So. And that's, and there's so many things wrong with a seven, seven country study. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, it's, uh, it's really hard to, if you read it and, or understand the science behind it, it's, it's brutal to see how manipulated and changed yeah. the, uh, everything was, you know what I mean? When you cherry pick the seven countries that you want out of the 22 that were actually in the study, you, right. you know, like it, it doesn't make any sense anymore. And it's, you can put, right. you know, cats living in your home cause, um, you know, heart disease and you could <laughs> figure that out, you know, if you cherry pick the right countries. Right. Right. So right. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it just goes back to that bad science and the yeah. uh, manipulation of propaganda for the big oil companies, grain companies, and yeah. of course the government needing an answer Right now, um, you know, back in the 40s um, to, you know, give the American public an answer. So right. it's and yep. we're still living this paradigm today. Yes, absolutely. Right on. So uh, let's talk about a little bit about the uh, organic vegetables uh, versus sure. conventional. And uh, why, why, why not just conventional carrots or conventional cucumbers or, you know, green leafy That's lettuce? Great question. And um, I watched this documentary a while back called Unacceptable Levels. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, this guy, he was a sports journalist for ESPN, and his wife was getting chronically sick. I, if I remember correctly, I think she ended up with celiac disease. But she ended up going through a series of miscarriages, and her health was starting to deteriorate. And he was just um, puzzled by that. So he decided to start digging into um, all kinds of things. And he exposed, and I never knew this until I watched this documentary, but have you heard of the biosolids or the toxic sludge? No, this is, this is interesting. Toxic sludge. Yep. It's called toxic sludge, but back in the seventies, it got a rebrand. The government gave it a rebrand and called it biosolids. <laughs> and what it is, is, um, so, of course, you know, Americans, we go to the bathroom, everything gets flushed in down into the, the waste management water treatment plants. And so you've got the water treatment plant that filters out certain things, but it's not going to filter out everything. And things that don't get filtered out a lot of the time are going to be your heavy metals. So think about all of the Americans that have, you know, metal mercury amalgams put in the mouth so you're constantly leaching metals um we've got all that metal toxicity and then medications that's another one you know how many people are on birth control pills how many people are on antidepressants um all of those different medications are also going out through the urine and um so those are just a few examples of things that don't get filtered out of that water so um that they they figured out the government figured out that the leftover byproducts are high in nitrogen. And what is nitrogen great for? Plants love nitrogen. So the government decided, hey, we can make some money on this and we can sell the, the biosolids to the farmers, the local farmers, and they spray it on their crops because it makes the plants nice and lush and grow beautiful. <laughs> and wow. right. So, you know, so if, and 
we know if you spray those toxins onto plants, it's naturally going to get absorbed into the plants. It's going to be in the soil. It's going to be in the DNA of the plants. And then by that, we're going to be eating that. So that's um, kind of, you know, a gross explanation, but um, that's one of the reasons why I really try to tell people it's really important to aspire to switch to eating as much organic as you can, you know, and, and right away off the bat, um, like I said before, always make sure you're doing organic with the animal products, but then you can switch over to the dirty dozen or the clean 15, which I think a lot of people have heard about. And those are free apps that you can put on your smartphone. And those are the clean 15 are the top cleanest 15 produce that don't have a lot of pesticides sprayed on them. And then you've got the dirty dozen and those are the ones that you definitely want to be buying organic right? to, to lessen the exposure for your family. So, yeah, well, that's an awesome story. It's, it's interesting because many, many years ago, I was at the St. Louis, uh, Missouri Zoo, and okay. uh, we were talking about uh, and some, you know, one of the, these volunteer uh, botanists or something was just walking around chatting with people, and we got on the conversation of the waterways in Missouri uh, and the fish not being able to reproduce and in the, sure. the frogs and things not being able to reproduce. And what they um, really, they traced it back and it's because of the, um, the, the female um, urine yep. from all the, um, the medicine that they take to not have babies. Oh. Right. So you're okay. on the pill, like the pill. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then obviously urinate all this um uh this this chemical out that stops you yep. and it's affecting um like fish and frogs and things like that from not be, being able to reproduce and they were just yep. starting to study this and this had to be 15 years ago maybe even longer sure wow so it's like these kind and of those things are, those are what we would consider endocrine disruptors yeah Yep. And that's, you know, we, we're toxic with endocrine disruptors. You know, the, anything, you look at your packaging, your food packaging, and if things come in plastic, which most of them do, the plastic leaches the chemicals into our food, and that blocks the the um, the neural pathways in the body, and then we become estrogen dominant. And that's why you end up seeing a lot of men that have feminine qualities to them and in our house they're called moves <laughs> i've got two teenage boys so you know i always ask them what what do you get if you guys eat soy they say moves mom do you want moves no so um and that's why you want to switch to um not you know not drinking the the disposable bottles of water right. that everybody runs around with because it's convenient. So that's where you want to start um, cutting down on the packaging that you're purchasing and reuse stuff, you know, get good filtered water in your home and then fill up your stainless steel or your glass bottles and bring them with you. So, yeah. Well, let's talk yeah. a, little about, a little bit about this because we mentioned it twice. Uh, walk people sure. through why men should not be eating any kind of soy um, and women too, really, but uh, especially right. men. But uh, what's uh, give us the story around soy and what's going on there? Well, and that's because soy soy has the isoflavonase, and it's it's got a lot of estrogen. It's high estrogen, and um, when you're eating foods that are high estrogen like that, um, it disrupts the hormone balance. So you've got the testosterone, you've got progesterone, and you've got estrogen. And depending on if you're a male or a female, um, and I know in this day and age that's questionable because you know we can't assume people's genders anymore. But but um, 
men typically need to have more testosterone. But, you know, if they're eating foods that have a lot of soy in them, that, that adds up and it creates a major imbalance in the hormones and then they're going to get estrogen dominant and not enough testosterone. And then that's where you see um, the feminizing of of America really yeah. or the world. Well, so. it's, it's one of the main things I talk to uh, my clients. Cause my guy, my guys, uh, uh, especially yeah. the men typically uh, like me are over 40. Um, mm -hmm. They've had uh, insulin resistance for many, many years, 10, 20, 30 years now. Uh, they're yep. type two diabetics. Um, and so they're oh, really yeah. big guys. A lot of them are carrying a lot of extra fat. And when yep. guys are carrying extra fat, uh, guess what? Fat produces estrogen. Estrogen, and then that exactly. estrogen is going to turn the testosterone that you have into estrogen, yep. right? Yep. So yep. Um, it's it's even worse. So now if you're right. feeding yourself uh, more estrogen through soy, uh, mm -hmm. you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yep. And then, yeah, it's just a major disruption in the hormone system. Well, um, tell us some, tell the listeners and, and remind us some of the products that are out there that are soy heavy that you wouldn't think that are actually soy heavy. Um, I think people, I find people are super surprised. Soy lecithin is in so many things. And if you look at the commercial chocolate, if you're not looking for healthier chocolate, you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to have soy lecithin in it. Um, of course there's, you know, soy milk, um, a lot of the oils that they use in the restaurants, I'm trying to think what other types of things like that. I think a lot of uh, thickeners or, or and things like yes. that are used as is with soy too. Yeah. Oh, and baby formula. Formula. That's right. Yeah, baby formula is very high in soy and sugar. Um, so yeah, a lot of the the packaged foods are going to have soy um, in in there. Soy's got it's got a lot of uh, labels that it hides behind. Um, trying to think edamame a lot of people eat edamame because those are the you know the um the edamame peas yeah you, they think that the japanese are so healthy and, yeah. and the japanese eat tofu and um that type of stuff but they eat fermented soy and it's not genetically modified yeah the, i think the reason why soy is so bad in america is because about 95% of all of soybean crops in America are genetically modified. Yeah. And we don't ferment so, any of it, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. same thing with soy sauce. Like I, we don't do yes. that. I will spend the extra money uh, yeah. to get the tamari because it's actually yeah. a fermented soy based with no gluten yeah. in it. Um, yes. and, and it's well, if you're going to eat it and if you want to put it in your recipes or whatever, the tamari is the only way to go and, and get the most expensive you know, highly fermented, good quality, yeah. you know, and, and research your label on that because you don't want to be buying uh, tamari that's not really tamari. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's worth the research if you're going to use it, it in your diet. It is. And, and personally, we've just switched to um, coconut aminos. Yeah, very popular. Um, which, yeah, it's been a really good alternative because we've been using tamari for a long time as well. So I definitely suggest coconut aminos as an option as well. Cool. What now? What's the um, benefits of coconut aminos? Um, they help with the digestion, digestion, which you know that's what we're studying, right? <laughs> um, uh, helps with the fermentation, um, helping helping restore the gut bacteria and um, bringing balance back to that, which can easily get disrupted with uh, 
all the foods that we eat, the air that we breathe, <laughs> the water that we drink. <laughs> so tell just, us, tell us, just living, <laughs> just living everyday life. Yeah. Uh, give us some uh, uh, what you're seeing uh, with your clients uh, in in the clinical setting, in your the clients that are coming to see you, especially mm -hmm. around digestion, because I I don't think people really get how bad and chronic digestion is in America these days. Well, and that's it. One of the one of the biggest things that Americans suffer from is not enough stomach acid. And, you know, we live in this stressful society where most people eat on the run or eat on eat in the car. They're constantly on the go. We don't take time to relax and enjoy our food like our ancestors used to do. And if you look at a lot of other societies, you know, like um, I was a Spanish major. Um, you look at the Latin societies, they love siestas. They take plenty of time over lunch to relax and socialize and enjoy their food. And by doing so, it helps the digestion, which is going to help the foundations of the body because it, I think of digestion as if you think about the digestive tract, it's the river that runs through the body. And, you know, we're taught at, with our nutrition therapy association that digestion is a north to south process and um, anything good that you're doing up in the mouth is going to trickle down and you're going to have positive effects all the way downstream. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing good stuff up there, you're going to get horrible benefits you know, um, outcome all the way downstream as well. So people don't realize um, how making just such simple changes with just slowing down mm -hmm. will help relieve a lot of the stress and, you know, kick you into the parasympathetic mode so that you can digest your food properly. Yeah. Our food is so nutrient void um, that, you know, we the, the cards are stacked against us already. And then you add in stress and eating and you're not going to break down the foods that you, the, in the in the manner that you need to to get the nutrients that we need. You so. have a you have a pretty amazing personal story yourself, just about sitting down and chewing your food. Can you can you oh, tell yeah. us a little about that? Because I love the story. I yep. So I did. Um, it was actually while I was going to school, and at midterms in August was when you know we finally got our the capability to do the nutritional uh, analysis questionnaire um, and use that graph. So I took that questionnaire and, um, you know, you look at your digestion and you're like, yeah, I definitely have some spots to work on. And by then, but our quality of food, what we were, we were eating was good quality food. You know, it's all organic. Yeah. I was still probably eating more processed food than, any of us should be, but you know, there's always room for improvement. But um, the only thing I changed was slowing down to eat. And in my work environment at the time, I would work 10 to 12 hour days. And there were days that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get to eat lunch until about four o'clock in the afternoon. And at that point it would be, Oh, I've got five minutes. Nobody's at the clinic. You know, no one's calling. No one's trying to check out. And I would scarf my food. And um, I ended up gaining about 25 pounds over a year um, doing that. And I know it's because I was eating under a stressful situation. And so I made a concerted effort to slow down and eat um, and chew my food. Breakfast was never an issue because I love my breakfast. So I always made sure I was up and had plenty of time to enjoy my coffee and have my breakfast. But but lunch and dinner were always on the go. And so I, I changed um, slowing down to eat and just 
from August to November, I took the test again in November. And just for making those small changes, I had wonderful results in the digestive tract. And um, and I like I, I do get to show that grid for people because you get that visual. And mm-hmm. and that's um, empowering to people. They're like, oh, gosh, you know what? Oh, yeah, I can take, you know, 10, 15 minutes out of my time daily to eat a meal and try and enjoy it. So, but it's, you have to be intentional about it. We're still, you know, to this day, I'm still trying to get, beat that into my kids' heads because I <laughs> raised them with the mentality, scarf your food down, we got to get out the door, get to swim practice. And that's the biggest thing that my kids um, fight me on is slowing down to eat. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, chew-chew, uh, swallow, chew-chew, swallow yep. uh, doesn't work. And uh, I've talked oh. a lot about that um, over these podcasts and with a few different people. It's, yeah. uh, you just got to put the fork down chew your food, pick the fork back up, chew your, yes. you know what I mean? It's, it, it, put, it's, and put the food down if it's a sandwich. Yeah, or, yeah uh, absolutely. Conscious, on-purpose uh, decision-making. It you is. Know, it's, ma- and that's, I found, I found I was hovering over my plate. Yeah. And, you know, and I didn't grow up in a big family. It's not like, I, I hear a lot of people that say, well, I grew up in a big family and you scarfed your food because if you wanted seconds, you had to be the first one done. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's not the case anymore. There's plenty of food for people to eat. So, I, yeah, I found I, I was just, um, you're shoveling the next bite before you're even swallowing the first one. Yeah. And, yeah, that was very eye-opening. Right on. <laughs> so if you can um, tell uh, the audience uh, one main thing, like one tip, uh, one takeaway uh, from sure. this uh, talk or interview, uh, what would that one main thing be? What's the number one takeaway? Oh, that's so good. Um, well, I, you know, I have to say people, I, I think people don't realize how many issues that we have. We're, um, we're constantly told that as we age, um, you know, not having enough energy is normal not not feeling good is normal and that is so not true and I think that people need to realize that there are some there are a lot of things that they can do to change their lifestyle either you know by be it dietary changes or just environmental changes lifestyle changes like that but um, if they start looking into that I think people will finally realize um, a lot of that burden will get taken away and they can start leading fuller lives you know we're such a chronically ill society and our numbers are increasing like diabetes i think aren't they saying three out of four it's crazy um next couple years that's gonna be that's i mean it's already two epidemic um numbers but think about how much of the financial sector depends on the diabetes if we could truly heal that and prevent that. So, um, people, I, the, I see a lot of hope though, because people, because of the internet, the internet doesn't keep people like you and I down. Like this is very empowering to be able to, um, get the real education out there and, and you just got to know where to look for it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great tip. So. Thank you yeah. very much. So uh, are you uh, giving uh, coaching online or is it strictly in the uh, Minneapolis area? I, I, yep, I just, I try, right now I'm trying to do more in person. I like to do the in-person stuff because of the functional evaluation and, you know, the hands-on. Right um, on. I think it's hard to, 
you, you know, it's, it's fine to educate people on the internet and do those types of things, but I, I like the in-person one-on-one. So if you're up in that area and they want to get a hold of you, yeah. how do they do that? Yep. I have a website called Restored Core Vitality. And um, I practice right now. I'm practicing out of a wellness center. And uh, I just take, I do our appointments and, and just kind of go from there. Everybody, that's the thing with nutrition. We're so broad. You know, there's, there's um, so many different areas that we can be knowledgeable about. So I try to take each person individually and see what their needs are and how I can help them and adapt what I can do to help and, and empower and educate. So I'm mostly more into the education. I really like the education um, end of things because people, it's funny, people think they, you know, oh, I eat so well. And oh, really? I see, mar- <laughs> I see margarine on your, your you know, food journal. <laughs> really? <laughs> right on. Uh, <laughs> well, I eat whole grain bread. Yeah, <laughs> geez. <laughs> we have a lot to discuss. Right. <laughs> Thank you for uh, being on the Mountain Man Nutrition Podcast. It was super fun and super excellent. And yeah. uh, uh, good luck to you and good wishes on the uh, the entrepreneurship. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. And good luck with uh, he- continuing to heal from your surgery and, and absorb all of that education that you're, you've got time to spend <laughs> now, right? Right. Fine. Thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs>